0: Dear young African, in the words of Maya Angelou, you may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so you can know who you are, what you can rise from, and how you can still come out of it. Welcome to Dear Young African with me, Nana Fredia-Ajamai. In this podcast, we have only one message for the young African listening. Don't give up. Your excuses are valid, but so are your dreams. And this is the place to come to when you need to remind yourself of that truth. In this podcast, we will be speaking to those Africans who keep going to inspire others to do the same. So dear young African, if you're listening, this is for you. Life sometimes throws us curveballs, the very things we do not account for when creating our perfect vision board. No matter how organized and poised you are, there are things that will throw you off course. In the face of adversity comes resilience. The visitor that shows up only when it needs to. They say you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only option you have. And sometimes adversity seems to propel us into purpose. But isn't that a hard thing to say to anyone having a hard time? My guest today has had his share of adversity. But now he is able to say that the very thing that was meant to break him built him. Enjoy this episode. Hey, so before we jump into today's episode, I would love for you to subscribe or follow us on whatever platform that you're listening to this on. I would really appreciate if you could do that because there's so many of you that listen to the podcast but leave without actually subscribing or following us. So please do so. And that really goes a long way to help us in making this podcast visible and out there so other people can find it. So please do me a quick favor and do that for me. Thank you. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the Dear Young African podcast.
1: Hey, Nana. Thanks so much for having me.
0: And thank you for making it. Um, Before we start, I have to give a shout out to one of my really good friends, Nana Wallace, who hit me up on IG a couple of months ago, probably a very long, I can't remember how long, but it's been months. And he sent me your profile. And um, I think it was one of your posts that you had made at the time. And I want to read it out to you uh, and to, to hear your thoughts on something that you posted quite a, some time, some time yeah. back. So here it goes. It says, own your truth. Lost my dad at age 10, raised by a single mom. The oldest of three boys delivered pizza at 13, flip burgers at McDonald's at 16. Childhood friends we bowled with never made it to 18. Launch my first official company at 19, zero capital and no direct mentorship, perceived to fail. Then you went on to say, society frequently reminds me that we were never supposed to make it this far. But then a voice consistently whispers within, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, Joshua 1 verse 3. And then it suddenly dawns on me, we were sent to break generational curses, fam. This isn't about me. This is about us. We were commissioned to... Push an agenda forward. We were born to build legacies and we've barely begun to scratch the surface. (laughs) We are the missing piece of the Enigma. Just apply faith and believe. One thing is for certain, though. We did not come this far to only come this far. Mashallah. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, reading this... First I read this like goosebumps, like you could tell, I could, I, I said to myself, well, this is really personal for him. But mm-hmm. um, taking you back on, on this post, uh, can you share what exactly was going through, what you were going through while she made that post? It's a really good
1: question. And I actually forgot about that. that <laughs> but I do recall where exactly I was when I, when I wrote that caption. Um, I, was in, uh, I was invited to Expo 2020 in Dubai. To speak yeah. on new employment and i remember i found out i was featured on the nasdaq billboard yeah. and usually i overthink through my captions but the <laughs> only thing that came to mind was that and i felt this sense of pride and this coming yeah. from someone who never really celebrates my wins and in just that moment i just wrote whatever came to mind yeah. and haven't looked back. But it seemed like it has really resonated with a lot of people because I've had a few people over the over the year reach out about that post. But it's been a while, so uh, it's nice that you help refresh my memory.
0: Yeah, you shared a very personal part of of your of your journey. How much would you say your upbringing has contributed to what you've gotten to so far? I would say
1: very much. Um, it has contributed so much, rather. So funny enough, I was having this conversation not long ago with a friend of mine that if my father had not passed away, I don't think I'd have been an entrepreneur. Hmm. Um, I I was born into a family where my father was doing quite well and um, didn't really ever have to ask for much. However, when he passed away, um, I felt like I had to step up and be that fatherly figure for my brothers, after younger brothers and my mom. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, when he passed away, uh, in his culture, a lot of things were taken away from the family. Um, And my mother had the opportunity to relocate abroad with my siblings and myself, Uh, I relocated. Uh, My mother could not secure work. So I remember uh, the first summer out of middle school, I went to store to store to ask for a job and someone decided to hire me to deliver pizza at the age of 13. And the amount made then uh, was actually what covered our uh, rent uh, until my mother secured uh, employment. However, um, I think, you know, my father passing away. I, I, I like to subscribe to this quote, Turn Your Wounds Into Wisdom. Uh, he passing away. I could have just said, hey, you know what? he has gone. Uh, move on to the next thing. But I decided to look at that wound and figure yeah. out how I can actually make something out of it. And uh, the first official company I actually launched, um, which non- a nonprofit called Anansi Global was inspired yeah. by his passion. And since wow. then, I've been able to tap into different initiatives, uh, different companies. And I'm, I'm just glad that you know I didn't you know, give up, but rather yeah. actually leverage that lesson uh, from the age of 10 uh, to really help propel my career to
0: what it is today. Absolutely not so many people have that trajectory of, you know, moving, just having their parent, the the their, uh, their first, would you say breadwinner in the family pass, you know, then having to step into that role of, you know, as we call a deputy parent for most first mm-hmm. Um, So for you, I, I wanted to ask, like, how do you get that spirit of stepping up at the age of 13 or 10 when your dad passed?
1: Yeah, I mean, when he passed, um, when I was 10, I mean, we were all living in Ghana then. I wouldn't say I right. stepped up, per se. Um, rather, I was trying to process what was happening. Yeah. Uh, my father was my best friend, and my mother's always wow. in the strict <laughs> one, right? So uh, in that sense, it was kind of like, how do you adapt to the strict parent uh, <laughs> who, you know, uh, has been playing bad cop and the good cop um, has left? Yeah. But, You know, the the reality is that um, seeing my mother go as far as selling her jewelry, selling clothing Mm -hmm. to put me through school, um, she partook in this thing called Susu, which actually informed, you know, my journey to Susu eventually. Um, Seeing Mm -hmm. all of that, I I think I developed empathy at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And um, this allowed me to say, hey, like, how do you support this woman that you love so much? Yes, she's true, but she's doing that for your benefit, right? I think over the years, I've come to understand that raising three boys uh, is not easy, right? So you have to actually play that role. Uh, And, you know, the reality is that, you know, my two brothers after me, uh, you know, we all have different personalities, but I've always been that calm one. And I think that I had to, you know, better reposition myself very quickly to support them to actually... Um, understand that you know we are a small family and we need to rely on each other so uh building that kind of uh that kind of aura or that kind of uh, approach to living life uh which is stepping up supporting has kind of transferred to them today right where are they what what were they able to support now uh, with family stuff and i'm yeah. really proud of them as well so um, i would say that you know uh all these things just came together for the uh, greater good
0: yeah you, you turned out pretty well i should say <laughs> um so just just moving on uh one of the things i really love to talk about on this uh this podcast is purpose and i want to i know first of all you're a believer because you make that pretty obvious in almost every post that you make mm. and uh <laughs> and i wanted to to ask you about purpose you know we are mm. thought so many times that there's this big picture that you're supposed to be chasing or you're supposed to find or discover and so for you in this journey of discovering who you are as a person and discovering why you are on this earth like what has been the what have been some of the conversations you've had with yourself and what have you finally or if you have uh what have you finally said okay this is what I am meant to do on earth Mm.
1: yeah I mean it's a great question and I've been asked this question before, and I had to refer to a parable that I came across in this book called Grit by Angela Duckworth. Uh, And in the parable, uh, she talks about these three bricklayers laying bricks. Mm -hmm. Um, And a woman walks up to them and asks them, what are you doing? Uh, And the first bricklayer said, I'm laying bricks. Uh, The second bricklayer said, I'm building a church. And the third bricklayer said, I'm building the house of God.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Now, the first bricklayer has a job. The second brick layer has a career and the third brick layer has a calling. Now, everything I do, I always subscribe to the third brick layer, right? Because the way I think about it is that if I am tapping into my inner potential and my calling, it allows me to be able to fulfill the promise that God has placed upon my life, right? Yeah. Now, uh, a lot of people actually always say you're quite crazy to have left. Susu to come launch Blossom Academy. I get that a lot, right? <laughs> and the funny thing about about that was that, you know, back in 2015, I came to Ghana and it was through Anansi Global where I came to support um, orphans, help them build lifestyles through entrepreneurship. And while I was there, um, for the first time, I understood that the reason why I was in front of the classroom and it wasn't the other way around was because I had the opportunity, opportunity 100%. to leave Ghana to go abroad to build social capital, to come back to support. At the same time, most of my friends I grew up with were finishing the university back on that secure work. Yeah. Now, when I joined the uh, Isuzu team, which was uh, the two co-founders, myself, uh, it was an idea, right? And we had to all vest our equity over a certain period, right? Right. Uh, I remember I stayed for almost three years, about two and a half years or so. So I invested some and I left the rest on the table and decided to pursue this calling that I felt like i have been called to do, support people, yeah. tap into their greatest potential, help them secure opportunity, right? Now, we all knew that was going to be a massive organization. We, we saw the checks that were coming in. Funny <laughs> enough, I was looking at, you know, the other day, how much the equity that I left on the table would be worth right? And it's not worth $25 million, right? And I can look at it and say, is it a $25 million mistake or $25 million seed, right? Yeah. And I think about it as a seed, right? And it's beautiful to see how much lives have been transformed through what we're doing at Blossom Academy, seeing people who will tell you they didn't have hope you know, they couldn't pay, you know, their bills, you name it, and going through Blossom and now being able to get opportunities on Upwork or get a job in the data space. For me, I think that's the definition of fulfilling a call and listening to, you know, what God says you should do, because I've called you to do that, because if you don't do it, no one will be able to implement in the same ministerial way that you'll be able to implement that. Um, and I don't take that lightly at all, right? right? I believe I can wake up tomorrow and God would say, hey, go do something else and I'll pay attention. Because I've realized so fast, I continuously listen to his word and listen to the message that he sends my way. I am always fine, I'm always good. I always get the mm. opportunities that I need. I always blossom the way I'm supposed to blossom, right? right? So I think that the idea of purpose is rather paying heed to the signs, paying heed to the messages that God sends your way. It could be through conversations, it could be through dreams it could, it could be through anything right but you just have to pay right. heat and once you do and you actually you know follow that you realize that you feel fulfilled internally and you actually feel blessed to be on that art journey as well
0: right right love that and you know it's yeah, it is very, first of all, very crazy that you left. <laughs> it seems very crazy that you left jesus <laughs> And, you know, it takes, I don't know what it takes. Personally, I don't think of that. I've, I've made such a huge uh, leap in my life before. But for someone who has made that leap, what would you say it takes apart from just hearing the, the voice of God in, in, your, in your case? Like, because it takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? Yeah. I
1: mean, look, it it does, I I think, I think it's one thing to say, it takes a lot of courage and one thing to say, less forecast to, you know, when you're 80 lying, you know, your deathbed and thinking about, you know, the life that you lived. Yeah. And would you actually be content, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing that hey, you decided not to listen to them or pay attention to the signs that came your way, or you decided to live a life, um, that you thought, Hey, this is what I've chosen. And no matter what God says, I'll do what I believe yeah. you know, I've chosen to do. Right. Um, the, the, the reality here, right. Is that we all have been put on this earth to fulfill a purpose. We all have been put on this earth to contribute something right now. God has placed me here on this journey at this point for a reason sometimes i don't even understand why i'm on this journey now <laughs> actually most times i don't understand why i'm on this journey now because ghana humbles you and frustrates you that's, that's a fact however there are times where i step aside and i realize that it makes sense because i'm seeing all of these different blessings that come the way without me actually putting in that extra work that i know i should have put in to, to, yeah. to get lessons, right so i think it's rather looking ahead and thinking to the future how would I feel one day and said, if I never pursue the opportunity, would I actually live a life of regret or would I actually live mm-hmm. a life of fulfillment? And I'll choose the latter, right? I think I'd always want to live a life of meaning. And for me, that's very important as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's something that if we all could hold that you know, start our mornings with that particular thought. What would my future 80-year-old self tell me right now? I think it's something that would really change the way we live our lives. Um, just moving on from, from that to your trajectory from NYU studied economics and business studies to become the founder member of Isuzu, data solutions consultant, business fellow at Princeton, Blossom Academy. Finally, am I correct in saying that you spent more of your life being uh, an employer or someone who creates something than someone who is an employee of of a particular corporation or company?
1: Yeah, I'll definitely say I've spent most of my professional life in the employer capacity for sure. Right. Uh, and to be honest with you, uh, it's it's not it wasn't designed to be so. Uh, I remember I met this student just this weekend. Um, I, I had a speaking engagement. He approached me and said, hey, I'm in level 300. Once I complete, I want to go launch my own company. And I said, hey, if I were to do this over again, I actually would have rather worked somewhere a bit longer, learn these systems, and know where I can actually mitigate the errors that I've made over the right. years. Right. So it wasn't definitely designed that way. I would say that it was more so spirit-led. Uh, the you know, the the road had been paved, and it was just a matter of me actually saying, hey, I'm going to pursue that journey, yeah. and I thank God it's worked out, because I do have friends who have pursued a similar journey and didn't work out so well, and back yeah. in corporate America per se, but I thank God that he continuously uh, just comes, you know, uh, to my rescue uh, whenever things seem, you know, too difficult or too tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was you answered the follow up question, but I want to ask why. Why do you think you would have taken a more uh, a different trajectory if you know you, you you had to do this all over again? Why would you want to be an employer for uh, an employee for some time uh, before you would become an employer?
1: I think the experience plays uh, a significant role, right? Right. Uh, the honest truth is that while at Isusu, we are all very young in the entrepreneurial journey, right? Yeah. Uh, we all had experiences building nonprofits. That's number one, but it was in the bubble in a university where you get a lot of grants, you get a lot of support, you name it. Yeah. Uh, and then after that I went on wall street, worked for a bit, but I felt like if I spent more time laying the ropes, laying the systems, uh, I would have understood, you know, things like fundraising better, but I've, mm-hmm. I'd have, I've understood uh, people management better. Uh, yeah. All these things I had to, really go through a lot of trials, a lot of errors to be able to figure out. And I feel like I have over-aged, <laughs> I, whenever, <laughs> I say, whenever I say that I feel old, that's what I usually, that, 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 that's a term I'm looking for. Um, and, and, and I honestly think that if I took the time to understand business development, if I yeah. took the time to understand how to build products, services, that have allowed me to actually ex- execute better. Um, at Blossom Academy, we've gone through about three or four pivots to get to where we are today. Right. To figure out who our client is, mm. um, I mean, operating in an, in a developing or emerging market plays a, a big role as well. Uh, but the reality is that if I had that prior knowledge, I think that I would have been very instrumental for me. Uh, so if I were to do it again, I would definitely have worked, uh, for a little bit more, maybe three to five years, uh, before mm. I actually stepped into my own thing for sure.
0: Right. What has been one of the mistakes that has cost you the most?
1: What have been some of the mistakes that have cost me the most? I would say not spending a lot of time developing the capacity of my team, mm-hmm. uh, but rather focused on chasing where the next check is coming from because <laughs> we need to survive. Um, and, I'm, and I'm realizing that it's something that I should have. People management is, or people skills is probably one of the most fundamental skills any entrepreneur needs. And I never took the time to really understand what is it that my team is looking for and how can I provide that to them? But of course, how do we support these people who are going through our programs? Right. Uh, so as a result, um, there are team members who have left. And what I like to do is maintain a good relationship with uh, anybody who's even left. And years later, you find out that it's because they didn't get that opportunity to grow. Uh, right. And I realized that I could have done better right? But right. the focus was not having a co-founder, trying to bring in, you know, revenue to keep the lights on, uh, but there are no excuses. So if we are to start over again, I would definitely say spend more time cultivating the internal team because they'll translate those learnings uh, to the clients and, uh, and beneficiaries.
0: 100%. So you'd say you're a better boss now?
1: I'm getting there. I'm definitely <laughs> not there, yeah. I'm getting there. Um, I, I, I'm trying to get there, rather. And, and I feel like the... Uh, the board that we've built recently and uh, the funders that we have have, have been very instrumental uh, in providing the mentorship skills. Uh, but every single day I'm learning, which
0: is I think is very important. What kind of leader would you say you are now? You know, learning from all the mistakes that you've made and having a board. I was looking at your website and you have a pretty solid uh, advisory team that's supporting you. You know, learning from these people who have walked uh, the journey that you are walking now what what would you say how has that influenced your your leadership skills
1: yeah i I think the first or the biggest challenge that i've had uh over the years has been not trusting enough to delegate Mm. Uh, two keywords here trust and delegation right now how did i even build that uh trust uh, it goes back to my belief and my relationship with God. I remember I came across the scripture that talked about uh, Jethro, who happens to be the father-in-law of uh, Moses, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And I believe, you know, Moses was a judge and had a bunch of people standing around him, uh, but yeah. then he was actually taking care of every case. And Jethro was say, "He said, why don't you delegate? 100%. And I was like, huh, this is this is someone who is widely respected you know, throughout you know, generations and had to be taught the importance of delegation. Mm. So why can't I actually learn to delegate? And I think that the problem is that I have this strong vision and I need to see that vision come to fruition. And as yeah. a result, it's hard to just trust someone to actually run away with it as well. But over the years, I'm getting better, right? Because, and I think it came naturally also from being burned out a lot and realizing that I cannot do everything yeah. um, but the, the people who have been brought to join me on this journey um, are there for a reason and I need to actually learn to trust them to also help take this to the next level um, I will say another thing as well that I have learned uh, to cultivate is empathy right mm-hmm. understanding you know, what, the, what what my team is going through. Not even just the team, but even our clients are going through seeing things from their perspective. Yeah. Uh, and that's something I, I believe that time and time again, I realized that there's still gaps in the empathetic, you know, uh, skill set. <laughs> uh, I, I I had a conversation with a friend recently, and I remember I had been upset at him over the years. We spoke, and then, I, and then for the first time, I saw something from his perspective. I realized that, wow, like, actually this whole time, I was upset because I was seeing it from my perspective, right? Yeah, I think these two things are really key, and um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to cultivate them over the years. But I, I think I'm, I'm still building that capacity uh, day on day, day in day out as well.
0: Absolutely, I think what you said first really resonates with me because sometimes when you have done something so well for a long time or you want something done in a certain way it's really hard for you to trust the next person to deliver the same thing so it's like I want to do everything by myself because I can trust me, but I'm not sure if I can trust the next person to yeah. do an equally good job. And so, yeah, and it really does get to you. And that's such a brilliant scripture because I vividly also remember reading it. It's not the same thing that changed my, my view on delegation, but mm-hmm. I've I've, re- I've come across that scripture before and such a powerful thing to, to know that even Moses had to go through that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Blossom Academy, for those who are are listening and have no idea what Blossom does, can you just share, you know, what you do and why you call it Blossom? Yeah, I mean, uh, why I call it Blossom,
1: the name just came to me, (laughs) to be honest with you. I've never been able to answer that question correctly or the right way it's supposed to be answered, but I remember it just came to me and it just seemed befitting. Um, However, uh, Blossom Academy, it really started primarily because of what I noticed when I was in Ghana in 2015, uh, yeah. seeing my friends were not able to secure opportunity. And the goal was to provide economic opportunity for, you know, youths across the African continent. Mm. Um, I didn't know how to get started uh, while working on wall street, while working on Isuzu. I think I just felt, I kept, I kept getting this, I don't know, this itch that you need yeah. to go and build this. Like I, I kept seeing it everywhere. It was just so strange. And I made this crazy decision, which I, I don't recommend to do anyone to do. <laughs> Didn't have a plan. I left my my job on Wall Street. I remember that I was leaving. No, the the week I was leaving, uh, a partner like a competing firm called me to their office. The partner provided me with a job offer uh, to make 100k a year, and it was between taking that offer, uh, and was based, right, and actually leaving. I think I'm like, Maybe I should have taken that offer. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, no, like uh, jokes aside, I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave. But then I realized that I hadn't thought it through. So I left. I had enough saved. I decided to actually uh, build Blossom Academy by remote controlling it. Another mistake. Uh, yeah. And while doing so, uh, I came across the opportunity called Princeton in Africa. And it just kind of fell on my lap. And right. I applied for it went through it and I was placed with a data collection company uh, in Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya. Right. While in Nairobi, I was consulting for a lot of tech startups and realized that the majority of them were outsourcing data projects abroad and paying above, you know, market rate. And I thought we have all these talented youth, not just in Nairobi, Kenya, not just in Accra, Ghana, Lagos, Nigeria, but, but there are all these talented youths who uh, Design of these kind of opportunities to be able to work. But the reality is that they haven't been, for lack of better words, repositioned uh, in such a way that companies find them attractive. So how do we essentially put them through a training program, add value to them, and connect them to uh, the global opportunities? Uh, and that's how Blossom Academy started. So while in Nairobi, Kenya, I kept applying for a bunch of opportunities. I uh, kept getting a lot of rejection letters and I believe about six or seven months into the program, I got an email from uh, the Dubai government saying, hey, come and pitch uh, what you have. And fortunate for us, we had piloted the program in 2018 when I had left my uh, my job. So we had some metrics to show that we have done something. So went to Dubai, pitched, got delivered through me, and we won our first 100K grant. And that gave me that confidence to be able to actually move to uh, Ghana and come build blossom academy so essentially what we decided to do was say hey let's identify companies that are looking for data talent let's train data talents and connect uh, these graduates to them but the challenge we found though was that majority of companies that we're speaking to especially in Ghana were new to data Mm -hmm. so the question was do we leave and go up to Nairobi Kenya where the market already exists or do we create a market that doesn't exist We chose and it's been one of the hardest and one of the most fulfilling things ever because we are at a point in our journey where we we're seeing companies create analytics departments to hire our graduates come back and keep building their capacity but the beauty about that is that now when people are looking for data talents or anything data related guess what blossom academy's name comes up or any of our subsidiaries so i'm very glad that we made that decision to stay and penetrate the market um, now we're now we're seeing a lot of companies abroad reaching out and saying, "Hey, we're looking for remote talent," and we're yeah. we're exploring that as another avenue to be able to diversify our revenue streams as well. That's brilliant.
0: So, in I mean, like you've said, it's it's been it's been quite a journey just building that and creating that need in in Ghana. In your interactions with um, employers and different. Uh, corporate bodies, why do you think there has been such a a lack of focus, if there is a lack of focus, on on data-driven solutions? Is it that people are more inclined to make decisions with their gut feeling, or it's just people do not understand why data is so important?
1: Um, I think it's a combination of both, right? I think people are so used to uh, making decisions based on their guts. I've had CEOs telling me, hey, I've been making money for a decade without data. Why should I spend um, on this now? Yeah. Um, and it's about educating the market. Right. And I think that the African continent or the fragmented markets across the African continent um, are so interesting because uh, if, if you look at a company, give you an example, a company like Coca-Cola, right, uh, when you think about Coca-Cola's competitor, you don't, you would probably say, oh, Mota Guinea's or, you know, any of these beverage companies. But if you think about it, Coca-Cola's competitor is MTN uh these tel- telco firms primarily because the consumer's wallet is constrained so as a result a customer needs to make a decision as to am I going to buy a kind of cook the amount of money I have or am I going to buy you know airtime and call a relative abroad and try to get some remittances right yeah. now the reality is that majority of companies across the continent do not see that yet they are now getting on board With the reality. Well, I shouldn't group the entire continent. Let's speak for Ghana, even Nigeria to an extent, which which is where we also operate as well. So, what we found, right, is when companies actually dominate a sector, they feel so content about that. Uh, that status that they have have attained and believe that, hey, people will just automatically gravitate to me. So Mm -hmm. might as well just, you know, keep doing what I'm doing, not really spend money out of the budget that I've allocated for marketing or you name it. Uh, But the reality is that we have consumers who have become a bit more conscious, right, and um, are realizing that they have options. And we are living in a globalized village now, so there are more competitors coming into the ecosystem. So once we're able to paint that picture of organizations, able to realize that, hey, maybe we should take this thing seriously. And once we get it, we see that they actually end up increasing their revenues, cutting costs and finding, you know, markets that they never thought about uh, in the past and excited about, you know, how much, you know, some of our startups that we worked with have grown. Startups are like literally the companies I care about so much, the sector, because just seeing them grow so much and go raise capital and uh, hire more people, I think it's just beautiful. And I believe that that's one of the ways to really catapult economic growth um, in Ghana and also across the continent.
0: 100%. And just talking about competitors, definitely one of the big names that comes to mind is Andela in the space that you operate. Apart from Andela, which other uh, companies would you say are people that are companies that you, you compete with?
1: Yeah, so I mean, there are companies doing something similar to what we're doing, but most of them don't focus on the local market, most of our focus on right. international markets, which is where we are thinking about potentially going based on the demand. But in Ethiopia, you have the likes of Gebea, in um in Nigeria, you have talentql um, Even here in Ghana, you're seeing I think nest Africa is doing some yeah. remote placements as well. Uh, so it's it's starting to mushroom. Uh, but the beauty about our model is that you know we are able to engage uh, intergovernmental organizations to give us fun to train people. And right. it's something that we've been able to cement quite well over the years. So we are not spending too much time trying to compete with them, but rather uh, growing organically and saying if a company reaches out and wants to engage with us, fine. Um, and God being good, we've got a lot of companies that reach out and say, Hey, we're looking for remote talent. Can you connect someone to us? Um, and that's how we've been able to grow that part of the business.
0: Right, and it's, it looks like it's a relatively new space for most um, companies that are trying to enter. So uh, I guess the market is not as saturated as other places, other other uh, sectors that you can think about. Would you say that? Yeah, I'll, I'll say the market is not as saturated. However,
1: the thing is that we are also in a very niche space. Okay, right. um, So fine I've actually I had a conversation with the CEO of, quote unquote a competitor. I don't see them see most of these <laughs> companies, but rather like we are all contributor to the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. I called a Malatech, And you know, we had a very long, about a two-hour conversation at a coffee shop two weeks ago. And uh you know one of the biggest pain points you are facing is it's hard to actually connect data talents to remote opportunities. It's easier to connect software engineering talents. Well data talents, there's a risk of data security. There there, there are a bunch of things that you know you don't usually factor when you're actually connecting software engineering talents. Uh, so as a result, it's actually hard to secure remote data jobs uh, right. for people, at least from where we sit. Uh, however, in you know markets that have branded themselves well, like the likes of India, Tel Aviv, etc., I've been able to penetrate a bit easier. But right. I think that with us, it's taken some time. Uh, and as long as we're able to continuously operate the model that is able to cover our bills, uh, we, we have the time, right? And uh, once, once you know, the, the time is ripe, we'll be able to pounce on the uh, on the opportunity for sure.
0: 100%. Uh, let's talk a bit about finances. It takes a lot of financial muzzle to run the business that you run, to keep the lights on, to pay employees, ETC. Um, I think I've heard you say in an interview that most of the work that you do are really supported by grants. I don't know if that model has changed recently talk us through how you, you you know you plan to make your business you know financially s- sustainable uh, for 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 the years to come. Yeah,
1: so I mean, uh, it's a combination of uh, grants and service contracts. So right. we've actually moved more to service contracts. So it took us what three years to find out that our clients are actually development agencies and intergovernmental organizations uh we were trying to monetize from companies from students it just wasn't working (sighs) Uh, but we realized that you know the segment i just shared with you are willing to pay for you to actually train people on their behalf uh report data um and track you know the metrics for them uh so that's been you know our most kind of uh engaged uh clientele uh from the academic side of the operations uh we've been doing some consulting work so connecting you know our graduates to remote opportunities uh so that's also picking up gradually but as i mentioned that's a bit more organic a division that we launched earlier this year which actually has grown past our wildest imagination is our corporate division so we do a lot of corporate training uh yeah. for companies here in ghana for companies in ghana nigeria kenya uh, where it's primarily focused on managerial leadership skills uh, and that sector has a lot of pain points. Uh, and because we've been in the market for a while and I've been able to brand ourselves as uh, an international organization, not just a Ghanaian company, it makes a big right. difference on how you brand yourself. Uh, yeah. It allows us to get into into multiple doors. Uh, so that has also been uh, doing quite well for us. But with the grants, right. I think, it's something that we, we still apply for, but it's not as um, high on the radar uh as okay. you know going after service contracts and these corporate training programs
0: right uh, now going back to your first 100k yeah. um as, as a you know business that you started you said you started in 2018 but i think in 2020 was when you got your first 100k am i right it just 2019 2019 right yeah how do you stay as a good steward of 100k that's quite a lot of money how do you make sure you have formidable structures in place so you do not mess up with 100K and just, you know, spend lavishly?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the benefit, right, of securing that kind of grant from a well-aligned funder is that yeah. they hold you accountable with uh, all the metrics that you've shared with them. So, we have monthly calls. Uh, we had to share how the amount has been delegated. And I think that that was, you know, my mini MBA per se, right? I learned a lot in, in, in that process. Uh, however, you know, and it goes back to what I've worked a bit longer in corporate because I think basic things like, you know, financial acumen, or not so basic, but I, I believe these are things that. It's so important to cultivate, uh, especially as an early stage entrepreneur. Um, I'll tell you for sure, uh, coming into this market where I didn't understand the market and people knew you don't understand the market, They are charging you very expensive rates. Uh, my yeah. initial instructors if I tell you how much I was paying them, you would laugh. And I thought that's actually what what I thought I thought it was a bargain. But then I I looked and I realized that they realized, hey, he's a foreigner, um, or right. he doesn't understand the system, so we can actually quote whatever he'll pay, right? Until you know I brought partners on board and they're saying, hey, like, what are you doing? <laughs> so um, I would say it wasn't a mismanagement of funds, but rather um, it's a lack of understanding of the ecosystem in which uh, we were operating in. Yeah. Now, it's been several years and I do believe that, you know, let's say if that grant was to come today, it would have been allocated very differently than That's it good. initially was, right? I think something else that, uh, you know, a friend of mine advised me on, which I wish I took that advice was, make sure you pay yourself as you're doing this. The, you know, the, the, the thing is that, you know, I had enough saves, so I was living on my savings. Um, and say i'm just going to deploy everything to just make this this thing work you know i really yeah. want to help you name it but um, the reality is that you know if you're not paying yourself uh you get burned out you start to wonder if it's worth it you start mm. to question the journey um and having some capital on you and this is something you can actually factor in the budget as well when you raise a grant right these are all things i didn't know um and and i had to learn you know over the years uh through conversations through making mistakes um, and through just growing um, in in the journey.
0: And uh, just talking about um, digital skills a bit in in the African scene, it's uh, one of the skills that, you know, we know there is a huge gap in the market right from throughout our schools. You know, uh, there's a lot of research to back it up that a lot of jobs in the future are going to require a lot of digital skills and which is a space that you work in. In my previous job, as a policy advisor with the Department for Education in the, in the UK, we worked yeah. on something called the National Skills Bootcamp, and this was to upskill 19 plus year olds in the in the country with digital skills. So one of the skills that we're uh, skilling them with was digital skills. So mm. I wonder if for you, uh, for for Blossom Academy, is, is that something a conversation that you've thought of, you know, approaching um, government with? You know, to do something that is on a more massive scale, rather than mm-hmm. having you know, I I I get that the the angle of you know having corporate bodies is really important, having development agencies is really important, but when you have government becoming that main player in the conversation, then you know it tends to scale up very fast, as it's done in countries like the UK.
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and I mean, when at first. uh Settled, for lack of better words, uh, in Accra, like that was one of the main things on the agenda. Yeah. And, and not a lot of conversations, but the conversation would just progress well and then it just halts at a point, right? Yeah. And you don't know where to what, to, what to do, whether to pick up the conversation, whether to explore something else. But uh, it's something that, you know, we really envision um, that could really help us make a dent uh, in the ecosystem. Uh, for us to scale this the way we envision, uh, there is absolutely a need for government buy-in. Um, yeah. To make this affordable, to reach the right populations, uh, those in rural communities, for example, more women, uh, it's, it's important. Uh, however, uh, I think we, we've tried, but we're, we're not sure what is the roadblock. Uh, Maybe we need to try more, but I think that our resources are also limited, so we spend more time chasing where we know we can actually win that engagement, um, as opposed to uh, knowing that this might take a bit longer. But, you know, if there's anything that I've learned um, about beating Ghana though, it's that your brand uh, often speaks for itself, Mm. and if you're able to build a strong reputation, people gravitate towards you. Right. 100%. So... With us, I think the focus right now is yes, let's find a way to survive and thrive, yeah. while also building the awareness and the right reputation. Once we can successfully do that, we'll be able to actually, you know, have conversations on another level, right? Yeah. You might you might rather be approached, or you might approach again, and we will be actually, you know, taken a bit more seriously than previously. Um, how the conversation must have evolved. So that's how we're thinking through it but you know in the years to come I think it's something that we would absolutely revisit for sure
0: right now, you've been been in Ghana for quite some time now, and I want to ask you, what do you think, you know, as a young person building this business, what do you think is one of the things that is missing in the youth ecosystem that really would help for you to be able to, you know, work well with other people, collaborate with other young people uh, in other spaces, where it doesn't have to be the tech industry, uh, to be able to, you know, build capacity of young people in, in the country?
1: That's a good question. So, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, leadership skills. Uh, Mm. It's there's a significant gap. One thing that we say at Blossom all the time is that the hard skills may get you will get you into the door, but the leadership skills, you know, would keep you in there 100 percent. Right. So it's something that we are spending more time cultivating these days throughout our our training programs. Uh, Basic things like email etiquette, time management. It, it's there's, there's a significant gap that we are looking to to bridge that gap through our programs. Uh, number two is the attitude, right, of yeah. a plethora of youth uh, that we engage, whether it's through here at Blossom Academy on the team, or uh, whether it's people going through our programs. Uh, sometimes people just don't have the right attitude to work. It's very unfortunate that time and time again, you would see a young Ghanaian, Working for a foreigner, specifically a Caucasian, and they are putting, you know, their heart into it. <laughs> it's a different scenarios. Working for someone that looks like them, right? And I always find it very, very, like I'm usually very baffled to understand why that's the case, right? Because yeah. sometimes even the person looking like you is paying you a lot more. Sometimes, not all the time, um, but then you. I guess maybe because of public perception you rather go that route so you don't actually you know show up to work on time you you know get an attitude and you get feedback and these are things that you know i have had to learn over the years to realize that now i'm actually hiring for attitude as opposed to skills mm. because when you hire for skills you can actually really teach the attitude the way that you expect for someone to cultivate it that's what at least i've learned in my journey um and then the third part is on the youth versus on the companies I think every single time a court ends, there's at least one company that we, we are working with that I'll probably argue with and say, why can't you just pay the intern? Like companies just, you know, are taking advantage of the fact that there's a high youth unemployment rate. So yeah, as a result, you know, engaging an intern like, Hey, I'm doing them a favor. And I'm like, no, you're not doing them a favor. They're helping you yeah. out. Like it's literally a debate that I like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Right. So as a result, Whereas a lot of people, a lot of the youths are realizing that, hey, you know, this company that I could have potentially worked with doesn't want to pay me. So let me think about how I can relocate abroad. Right. Let me think about how I can actually, you know, go uh, tap into greener pastures somewhere. I believe a couple of weeks ago, I saw that there were these uh, three Nigerians that, you know, were on this, um, you know, the the, this, the ship or or, uh, or or this vessel and yeah. they, were, they were spotted. Uh, and and they were actually sailing from, I think, Nigeria to Cape Verde, if I'm not mistaken. And when I saw that, I was so saddened. However, I also understood yeah. the reality on the ground, right? So if you're a youth and you see this reality, you are forced to think about how you can escape it, right? Uh-huh. And I believe that that's what is happening right now. And I think that also informs why people don't have the right attitude, um, as well, so it's it's a complex problem, and it really cannot be fixed by just launching Blossom Academy. It just takes shifting the mindset, and I believe that you know we can do our part,
0: but it takes the entire ecosystem to contribute as well. A hundred percent. We're running out of time, but uh, wanted to ask you a question around impact and what sort of impact you want to have on the on the continent it's a it's a continent where a lot of people say it's rising some people call it the dark continent some people say you know the youth is the future and the future is now there's a lot of talk about you know young um, young people being Africa's biggest resource uh, now for you building a business that has a direct impact on, on young Africans I wonder what you know is your long-term vision for um, the Africa that that you you have in, in mind as a business owner, it's very simple. Create well-paying jobs that are
1: competitive on the global level. That's pretty much it. And I think that once we're able to do that, a lot of these problems that youths are facing would would be addressed. Uh, now, the funny thing is, I, I was thinking about. How I wanted to, or my team and I rather wanted to solve this youth, you know, unemployment challenge and we designed Blossom Academy, but realized that we're actually limited in our approach to what we can do. Right. If we say, well, let's go actually go build a manufacturing plant. <laughs> we are all positioned to actually, you know, hire hundreds of people, if not thousands, right? Yeah. I think that's where my mind is gravitating towards too lately, as to how do I position my skills and talents, really help as many youths as possible tap into their greatest economic potential uh, and also have fun while doing so? So I would say that's definitely what I would prioritize uh, and would, that's what the, that's the kind of impact I'd absolutely love to make um, ultimately um, at the end of my career.
0: And finally, a very personal, probably a very personal question. if if your dad was around right now, what would you what do you think you would say to him?
1: So, it's a great question. If he was around right now and I'm still an entrepreneur or not an entrepreneur? Which, which, still which, an entrepreneur. I, <laughs> I, I would will, I will thank him. Um, I, I would thank him because I think he gave me, I never understood it when I was young, but it's but he leaving at such a young age. Hurt, but it was also one of the greatest gifts that he could have given me, because he allowed me to evolve as rapidly as I could have. And I hundred percent believe that if he were around, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I definitely wouldn't. I would be like Ghanian say, "Dada be," you know, <laughs> <laughs> just having fun, you know. Uh, but every step I take right, the, you know, the, the opportunity to even be on SUSU. and, you know, like sometimes like I look at, you know, the, the, the value of, you know, my shares in the company and I'm like mind blown, like, how did this happen? Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful, right, to, to just see how far um, I've progressed in such a short period. Uh, and I'm, ex- I'm excited about what God has planned uh, in the many years to come. And I believe that God had his plan, right? For he leaving at this point. And wherever is, I'm sure that he's looking down smiling for sure.
0: hundred percent. Thank you, Jeff, for making time for this. Really, really appreciate it. And let me just give you your flowers and uh, say that really proud of the work that you're doing and the impact that you're having on 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 the lives of people and i hope you do not take it for granted i'm sure you do not take it for granted you know the stories that you hear just knowing that daily the the courses that you offer blossom and people taking it up with the corporate trainings or whatever it is it's really impacting life so thank you for the work that you do man appreciate you thank you
1: so much for the opportunity man great talk soon
0: hey thank you so much for staying till the end of this episode i hope you enjoyed it but above all i hope it brought you some value if it did i would really love for you to not only subscribe to this podcast but also please take a second and share the link with someone or on your whatsapp status or that whatsapp group that you're part of this podcast can only reach other people if you help me share it so thank you in advance and see you in the next episode hey thank you so much for staying till the end of this episode if you enjoyed this episode i would love for you to do two things first please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this on and two please share this with another friend and say hey i was listening to this podcast and i thought you would like it too or you can just drop it in that whatsapp group you're part of i really appreciate your help in getting this podcast to other individuals to listen as well. If you're not following us on social media, please make sure you do that. At Dear Young African, don't forget African with a K on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you and see you next week Monday with another conversation that will certainly add value to your life.